What's going on, everybody? Welcome back into the Fortress of Comic Tude. My name is Tyler. Um, no Mary this week. She's a little tired, but uh, I am back and we are back. We're sorry there was no episode last week because I was dying, but I am back. And we are joined once again by the wonderful Miss Ashley Victoria Robinson. Ashley, hi. Hi. Also, thank you because I rescheduled this twice. So thank you for your very kind understanding. I rescheduled last week because we were supposed to have you on last week and I had the flu and could not leave the bed or speak or do any other humanly things. It's okay. We're all in this together, right? <laughs> oh, man, I'm, I'm slowly becoming human again and it's kind of a nice feeling, but you know, it's every day is a little better. <laughs> Welcome. So basically the second that Ashley leaves, we just start bugging her and begging her to come back. Uh, let's be very clear. I'm the one who asked to come back. <laughs> it's kind of an abusive relationship we have with Ashley. We just we just pester her until she agrees to come back. Um, you just but, have to sneeze and then I'll have something else I want to talk about. <laughs> so we're going to talk, of course, about Jupiter Jet and everything else and the Kickstarter. And there's a lot of awesome stuff going on with you and Jason. Um, and we're going to get into all that. I was hoping that I could... Uh, pick your brain a little bit and we could speculate about lock and key as well because that's uh on the horizon next week yeah let's do it awesome okay so first thing jupiter jet volume two is on kickstarter right now and if you guys haven't supported it you definitely should um i'm gonna let you give everybody all the details on that but uh just in case anybody out there isn't familiar with jupiter jet or who she is um, what is Jupiter Jet and how can they get caught up? Where can they get volume one before, of course, donating to the Kickstarter and getting volume two? So Jupiter Jet is a Ringo Award nominated for Best Kids Series and for the entire creative team. Uh, all ages adventure book written by Jason Inman and myself. It is What If Kim Possible Met the Rocketeer. 16-year-old Jackie Johnson inherits a mysterious jetpack from her father who recently passed away. And becomes the hero Jupiter Jet, robs from the rich, gives to the poor, fights bad guys who might be aliens. And if you haven't read volume one, spoilers, the book is like two years old, uh, learns at the end of the book, there's this huge sci-fi reveal that she doesn't live in 1935 depression era Olympic Heights, but she actually lives on Europa, which is a moon orbiting Jupiter. Dun, so dun, now, dun. exactly. Now that we're back with volume two, Jupiter Jet and the Forgotten Radio, it's a year later. She's 17 now. She's practically an adult in her eyes. And she gets lured out into space because she's the head of the human resistance on Europa. She's been a superhero in her neighborhood for a whole year. And she thinks she knows what's what because we all remember what it was like to be 17. And of course, she meets a new villain. You can actually see if you go and you look at some of the art that we have up on the Kickstarter at jupiterjetcomic.com. Uh, she meets the Black Flyer who takes her into space and to new, bolder places than before. And turns out, we're going to reveal on about page 20 instead of page 120, is a figure from Jackie's past that she thought she would never see again. So... We're taking her adventure to the stars. We're telling a bigger, bolder story than ever before. And we're telling it on Kickstarter. You guys are basically like pros at the Kickstarter game by this point, right? How many guys, how many successful projects have, I mean, you did Aurora by yourself, but you and Jason had obviously done mm -hmm. uh, Science and the Jupiter Jet, the first volume, correct? Yes. And then we did a Indiegogo before. So this will be our first fourth kickstarter collectively i think it's the fifth for each of us you guys are pros each done other ones so uh, i don't know if we're pros but we're familiar <laughs> we're happy with the kickstarter economy and kickstarter is so interesting because it's egalitarian right people will either back your project or they won't because they either believe in you or they don't and if they don't then your project doesn't get funded it's pretty it's pretty easy but it's also the place where people are taking projects that no one else would say yes to and they're proving that they're viable because an audience is coming and is showing up for it. So I think that Kickstarter and crowdfunding platforms are putting out some of the most interesting and exciting projects. And I'm not just saying that because I'm on Kickstarter. Sure. I, I think the idea of Kickstarter is amazing. It's like, let the people speak for what they want. Let them decide what they want to exist, you know? 
Um, exactly. If you believe in something, then put your money where your mouth is. And I, like you said, we've got some uh, great stuff. We've interviewed, I mean, several creators that have on this podcast that we've you know helped kind of promote their kickstarters and everything we've got some great content out of some of those yeah and if you go to the jupiter jet page and you click on my name i'm one of the contributors to the campaign you can see all the other projects that i fund so i'm not just uh i'm not just talking the talk but i try to walk the walk as much as possible as well and indie creators are the ones where your dollar goes the furthest so if you know if you're if you're out buying Batman and look, Tom King is a friend and I want him to continue to work and everything, uh, you know, maybe consider supporting someone who doesn't write Batman as well. Yeah, that, that's one of the things that actually makes me feel kind of bad, especially because obviously we just had the end of, of the previous year. So all of the end of the year numbers were coming out and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And usually when you see like the top uh trades of of the year a good chunk of them are usually image books like saga obviously that first trade is will sell forever but uh, i mean for sure <laughs> um a good chunk of like the top 10 trade sells about four or five of them at least are are, are non-marvel and dc books which is great but it also just kind of tells me like okay people are choosing to read these in trades when like the single issues like they kind of need that money more than the people read the superheroes and single issues and they read the indies and trades when it probably should be the other way around. Yeah. Your dollar will go further that way, but that's why for this volume, we're actually, we're only doing the graphic novel. We're not doing individual issues. We did individual issues for the first volume. And like with all indie books, it kind of, washes away after volume one somebody slabbed it jupiter jet number one and Ooh. put it on uh ebay and then i bought it <laughs> now i now i have a version of it where it's slabbed so jokes on you it hasn't sold yet <laughs> i i was really excited to pick up that first issue on the shelf the day that it came out jupiter jet because i was uh, obviously wanted to support you guys and he was so excited you guys were pumping that thing pretty hard a couple of years ago and when Heck when that yeah. first issue came out I was I was excited to pick it up and then uh, I, I have I think I only have the first issue physical and then the other ones I bought digitally um, but but picking it picking up the books and shouting them out and reviewing them on Amazon even if you didn't buy them on Amazon and talking about them like all of that goes so much further in an independent economy because like I don't have a publicity department I'm the publicity department which is why <laughs> sometimes things come up and I'm like I'm really sorry I have to go do this can we do tomorrow at six o'clock and uh you know so it's a little it's a little harder sure sure um so obviously you mentioned you you know you co-write this with Jason and as as well as you did the the first volume as well. Um, you know Jason is your partner in in most crimes. It in, seems in like in all things. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what what makes you guys different as writers? The way you guys write, and how do you guys think that you complement each other as writers? Well, Jason's about six one, and I'm about five five. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's a really good question because I think it baffles some people the idea that you would co-write. Like, why would two people work on the same thing? And and I know it's not necessarily the most traditional way that people write, but I think Jason is really good at big picture stuff. Um, I am a pantser. I fly by the seat of my pants, and I don't like <laughs> to plan things, and that is an irresponsible way to go through life, my friend. Especially when you're writing comics, which requires lots of plotting and planning ahead and paying things off. And Absolutely, and we've always known that we wanted Jupiter Jet to go five issues, and if you want that to be viable and you want to plant seeds and you want to reveal that the Black Flyers, someone that you've actually read about in all of all you won, before, you know, you have to think about that. So he is a really good big picture guy and he is really good at reminding me that in comic books we're paying a lot of money for some really incredible art so we should see the art the first things that i ever wrote and published were plays which is very talky so i love to have all the characters sound as smart as possible and i love for them to be talky and he's really good about managing that and i think i think i'm good at giving different voices to the characters and i think i'm good at creative fixes so in the first volume Jackie and her brother Chuck had to jump off a roof and we needed them not to die. And we do try to find pretty realistic ways that this could happen within the rules of our universe. So she doesn't have super strength. So there's no way she could just grab the lip of the uh, rooftop and not like wrench her arm out of her shoulder. And so I came up with the idea that it is a beautiful splash page. We sold the original art 
for the Kickstarter for volume one, uh, her dress billows out kind of like an umbrella silhouette. So it's a parachute dress because her brother's an inventor. So, of course, he would do, do that looking out for her when she goes out and does some superheroing things. And that was my pitch and that was my idea. And that's how we solved that problem. And then in the second issue or it's not we're not doing issues but in the second chunk of 20 pages of volume two uh chuck gets stuck somewhere and we were we spent a long time saying well how does the door close like what makes the door close and i was like maybe the door can just close this is an all ages book we don't necessarily have to explain why the door closes and locks it's more important that this is an obstacle for chuck to overcome later on we don't have to explain why the door closed and so we'll each go away and do our respective pages and then come together. And then we will write together in the same room a second or a third draft pass. And what's cool about working that way is it allows us to act as editors for the other person. So we can fix the other person's shortcomings. Or if we're stuck on something, we're not stuck screaming alone inside our own brain and raging inside our own bowl. We automatically have a fixer to try and work forward with. That's awesome. I, I think so. And the cool thing is too, you know, through reading Jupiter Jet and science and things like that, I, I don't feel like there's, I don't feel like there's parts where you can uh, pick apart and see like, oh, that feels like a Jason thing or that feels like an Ashley that, you know, it feels like one voice. Oh, thank you. So, cause there are times with collaborative things where you're like, oh, that somebody, the same person that did this did not do that. You know what I mean? Uh, I yeah. don't feel that with any of your guys' stuff. So obviously you collaborate very well. Or you're saying that because I'm on your podcast. But either way, I like that you're saying it. So thank you. I'm going to choose to believe that that's true. I don't consider myself too much of a sweet talker. I, I speak the <laughs> truth. Uh, I obviously am big fans of you guys, but I wouldn't lie to you. Good, because I don't stand for that. <laughs> I don't, don't flatter me. Never, never. Wouldn't dream of it. Um, the other thing about Kickstarter too, if anybody out there isn't really familiar with Kickstarter and you haven't, you know, participated in Kickstarters before, um, it's not like a straight donation. You know what I mean? There's different tiers, and depending on how much money you want to donate to the project, you're going to get certain kickbacks and certain uh, rewards and everything. Do you want to talk about some of the stuff that you guys have put together in the the packages of uh, the cool stuff that you're going to get if you decide to donate to Jupiter Jet, which you definitely should. Totally. So I think the best level is the $25 level. The campaign is funded at this point. So now it's just a pre-order campaign. $25 gets you the book signed with a bunch of great exclusive prints. We have a print by John Boy Meyer, who drew Teen Titans and Spawn. We have one by Nicholas Scott, who drew Wonder Woman and is working on Black Magic, which is my favorite image book right now. And then today, at the time of this recording, uh, we recently crossed a stretch reward so our stretch goal, so we are officially also sending everyone who gets physical rewards above the $16 level gets a print by Brian Lopez, who is an amazing artist that we collaborate a lot with on Patreon and helped us out with the Jawin Comic Drive for service members. But if that's not your bag and you maybe want something a little cooler or a little more personal, if you're jealous of the conversation that we are having right now, we have a Skype level where you can call and see in 3D action Jason Inman and I. It's one of my favorite levels. We put it on every campaign because everyone who buys it is freaking awesome. And a lot of them use it as an opportunity to have us consult on projects that they're trying to start, whether that's a YouTube channel or a website or a podcast or a comic. And it's really cool then to see those projects go out into the world. And if you create anything and I'm a part of it or you're a fan or a supporter or anything, like I will be there and I will engage with you and it's so meaningful to see that happen. And because we want more cool people making more cool things and taking advantage of a great economy like Kickstarter, a lot of our rewards are tiered toward making comic books. So you can get script and portfolio reviews by some really great creators. The cheapest ones are from Jason and I. I was the head editor at uh, Top Cow for about a year and I work freelance as an editor. Jason works in television. So if you're interested in writing TV or comics, we are there for you. If you want people who are way cooler than us, we have Joseph Malozzi, who show ran Stargate and Stargate Universe and Stargate Atlantis and created Dark Matter, who's graciously donated his time to look over at your script. And we have uh, portfolio reviews from some really wonderful artists like 
Mitch Garrods, who works on this tiny little book called Batman that you might not have heard of, or like Mr. Miracle, which won all the Eisners last year. And their expertise is something that we really value. Everybody who we have tapped for this are people that we go to for advice who have worked with us in the past to create our projects and I just think they're the coolest rewards that we have because I think those people are so amazing oh yeah okay so a couple things here (laughs) um yeah if you're a creative person out there obviously those portfolio reviews and everything script reviews are so incredibly valuable Take advantage of those. Couldn't recommend those enough if, if that's something you're trying to pursue. Um, the, the Skype calls with with Jason and Ashley, uh, you definitely want to talk to them because we've had them both on this <laughs> podcast. And if you're on the fence about that We're and thinking right. that that's something you might want to do, take my word for it. Do it. Um, third thing, uh, yeah, the, the $25 one, that, that was a no-brainer. When I went through, that was the first one that caught my eye that was like, oh, well, pff, well that, definitely that. Um, yeah, you get the signed copy of the book and everything. That one seems to be the, I'm trying to think like maybe the best value as far as like, here's something that's not a whole lot of money and you're going to get a lot of cool stuff out of it. That's, you know, it's not incredibly expensive. You're going to get the book. Um, And we always try to make our $25 level. We always try to make it. It's probably in terms of what you're getting the most bang for your buck because $25 for most people in most economies, and look, I understand everyone's situation is different, but most people can give about $25. So we want to honor the fact that that's where a lot of our support is coming from. It's a good amount. $25, I think, is a, is a perfectly fair... Like, obviously, if you want to spend more money, like, more power to you. Like, don't let me stop hey, if you. if you have $6,000 you want to give me, I can go right into hey. production of Volume 3, and we won't have to do this again next year. <laughs> and, yeah, and if you can, then, like, I'll be behind you 100%. But $25, I think, is a way fair amount, and that's... Yeah, that, that one was a no-brainer for me. Um, it definitely made me, because I know that uh, Jason on like his website store has the the volume ones that are signed by you guys. It made me yes. feel like, like I definitely need to, because I, I have volume one, like I said, in digital. So I was like, oh, I was like, well, now I definitely need to get volume one signed by you guys, because I got volume two with the Kickstarter here. So <laughs> I was like, well, I can't just have volume two signed and not have a physical copy of the first one. So I'll have to have to get on. No, that. Well, now you just have to. <laughs> <sighs> that's the that's the collector's mentality, right? It's good. It'll it'll bug me of a volume two book sitting there on a bookshelf. It'll it'll drive me up the wall. And it's like, if, well, if I'm going to buy a physical copy of volume one, you might as well just buy the signed copy. Yeah. Yeah. This is <laughs> the life we lead, unfortunately. Like, Oh, it's, it's absolutely true. I, uh, if that bothers me to no end, just a, a volume two of a book sitting there. I can't even like, oh, <laughs> I don't like, know Well, why. I guess I'm buying all of these now. <laughs> I, like, unless it was like something you didn't care for, obviously, but then like you wouldn't want to buy more of them anyways. But if it's something that you liked, like it, I, I hate, I hate it because sometimes I feel like, why didn't I just commit? Like if you're going to, buy number one in digital just stay on digital because like sometimes like oh then i'll just pick this one up it's like well now i have a physical of this one and digital's of the other so i have to get, I get it though like with digital sometimes you want to take as much advantage you know you want to dip your foot you're not sure it was our first ongoing series there was a chance it wasn't going to be any good so like i've definitely done that and then gone and bought something physical later or waited for hard covers please don't do that because god i don't even know if we'll ever get that far just, <laughs> just buy the trades and that's why for volume two uh we're only doing the 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 physical collection because single issues are a mess sure and i think action lab did did the the singles originally right they did yep then they'll be printing our collection as well but we're not going to do physical singles this time which uh is what we wanted to do is what jason and i wanted to do with volume one because we're really into the japanese model of like just put out a copy every six months or once a year and not mess with the floppies um also because i've worked in comics retail i've worked in comics editorial in the office and as a creative and it's just Focusing on the trade is easier for everyone at all levels, and it's way more cost-effective at all levels. So uh, that's what we believe in, and that's what we're able to do this time, which I'm so I'm truly so happy about it. I honestly think that's the way most people prefer to take in this content at this point, too, honestly. I think so, but industries are big lumbering things and they're slow to change. But if we do it and if other people do it and if you keep, you know, if people keep just paying for the trades, like I was a trade waiter for years it's it's going to change eventually and we'll all be better for it. I would read everything in trade if I had the patience. 
Uh, that's fair. <laughs> you know, I, I definitely prefer to read and trade. It's it, I don't know. There's something about it that just I like the the binge idea. Like I could just sit down and just read this whole thing all at once. Um, totally. But I don't have the patience, and it's like, well, I, <laughs> it sucks because I don't want to give into that like fear of missing out kind of thing. I don't think it's necessarily that, but it's just. I like, don't have FOMO. I have JOMO. I have the joy of missing out. There you go. <laughs> I I stole it, that. That's not my joke. I'm sorry. That's a Tony Soto joke. Please don't tweet me. <laughs> I don't think it's necessarily like I need to be a part of the conversations. It's more just like I know that it exists and that it'll bug me that I I want to read it. And well, so and I don't sometimes have the you, you do have to tread lightly because the internet is not good at uh not sharing spoilers all the time and people people often mean the best right like they want your opinion on something but i've had lots of things spoiled for me online so oh that's just part of being on the internet at this point yeah yeah that that really sucks sometimes there's been a couple of uh pretty big comic moments over the last couple years that i didn't get to enjoy in the proper form that i wish i could have because it was like oh man somebody shared a took a picture of a page and put it on twitter it's like why would you do that especially like the day a book comes out i'm like man give people some time sigh (laughs) yeah what do you do you can't change people right no no you just you just move on you just sigh and move on it's true we get we could talk all day about trying to change the internet but no one will ever listen to us no, they surely won't. But that's okay, because we'll watch Lock and Key and the world will be beautiful again. That is true. And Lock and Key, I cannot believe that it's finally here, because it feels like we've been waiting for an adaptation of Lock and Key for so long, because it was like, Fox is going to do it, and then no, mm-hmm. they're not. And then Hulu was going to do it, and no, they're not. And then finally Netflix said they were going to do it. And that Netflix announcement feels like forever ago when they said that this show was going to happen, and it was like for so long we didn't even have an announcement or a teaser and then it all kind of came at once that teaser's great by the way lots of deep easter eggs it's only like 30 seconds but if you're a fan there's a lot of good stuff in there oh for sure um lock and key is very is very close to my heart because for me that was like the really that was like the first like really big venture outside of the big two Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I always kind of have like a sentimental place for it because I, I love indie comics now and it's like hard to imagine not reading those but there was a time you know I think like most people where it's like you start with what you know but absolutely uh, you start with the X-Men Spider-Man oh, yeah. or Batman that's it <laughs> so a friend of ours gave us that first trade shortly after the trade had come out and for me it was like I didn't know comics could do this especially when all you've Mm -hmm. read is superheroes up to that point it was so different and so out there the art was gorgeous obviously Gabriel Rodriguez is you know incredible one of my all-time favorite a completely underrated talent he draws faces like unlike anybody I've ever seen it there's something about the way he draws people's faces specifically people's eyes that look so genuine and human that I it's like oh my gosh how do you do that Mm, interesting i don't know what it is like i i i feel like it's a person looking at me when i i don't know it's it blows me away and i mean joe hill obviously you know i've enjoyed quite a bit of his work outside of lock and key but lock and key is just this tier that you know can't be reached by anything Um, yeah i mean (laughs) it's it's like next level amazing it's it's my it's i mean i feel pretty comfortable saying it's like my favorite non-big two comic out there yeah Um, i mean i think i usually put it near the top of my favorite indie comics it's like that and omg check please are the ones that i always die over and honestly if i was making a list of like favorite everything altogether i mean it's top five certainly it might be top three i I love that series to death so the the tv show is going to be interesting and i kind of wanted it because i've been I know, like any good fan would do, been speculating about what are they going to do and how are they going to do this. I kind of wanted to get your opinion on a couple of things. Totally. Um, obviously, it, it's hard to translate certain things from one medium to another. And there's there's certain things in Lock and Key that, because it is a mature book and it's dealing with a lot of mature things. And I think Joe Hill does a really good job of presenting them in a way that it, Lock and Key never comes off to me as distasteful. Um, I agree. But there's 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 things I'm worried about as they translate to TV as far as like, you know, like the race bending key and stuff. Like, do you think they're going to get into a lot of that? Oh, boy, I surely hope not. Um, because that would be really hard. That, 
didn't it didn't bother me as much when I first read it, but more and more I'm like, yeah, that's not great. Um, so I think their best move, honestly, would be to avoid that. And there's enough other cool keys, or you can invent another key that I don't think we have to do that. I was shocked that we got the head key where we did. Agreed, uh, because yeah, that's the in the second key, volume of the of the series. The head key is super super creepy. It's and my I was favorite like, key, oh my, though. It's mine too. I have oh. the replica of it. I love it so much. Um, but I was like, we're really gonna do, oh, oh my. And the sound effect with it is so gross, which I love. I agree. I completely agree. I think... I'm more wondering, like, are we doing the gender bending with Dodge? What does that storyline look like now? Sure. And and how do you cast all of that too with, jo- with Dodge changing genders where people, because I mean, in the book, it works so well because you can tell it's like, that's the same face. It's just, it's, it's yeah, a man it's ex- now. Um, are they going to cast twins? Are they going to cast someone who is gender fluid? Are they going to cast two different people? Like there's, there's so many possibilities. Dodge is a less problematic um, aspect, but it is definitely something that I think requires careful thought. But I think Netflix does generally approach their genre work with a lot of thought and care. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, the, the, the race bending key, it's one of those, when I look back at it, about that, (laughs) I just, (laughs) I, I think I like what Joe Hill's trying to do with it. I like the message yeah. he's trying to get across with it. And in the comic, I think it works, or at least on some level it works. Like, But to do that on TV, I, I mean, obviously you're, not gonna, now, I'm, obviously you're not going to put any kids in blackface or anything like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. You could maybe do it by casting different actors, maybe, like that? African-American mm-hmm. actors that are supposed to replace the kid. But it just feels like one of those where it's like it might just be better to just avoid the whole just swerve off of that and we'll just skip that part. I think so. And like there's so there's five volumes like there's so much other stuff plus the miniseries that I don't know if we need it. Oh, yeah, I would agree. Um, there, there's especially because there's so many keys and it's like you maybe mm-hmm. don't need to overload people with all of these keys. There's probably you can probably kind of pick and choose which ones you want. And that one definitely isn't one that's like super necessary to the overall story as much as some of the other keys are. Yeah, like give us the giant key. Come on. Like like the head key, you, you can't tell that story without the key, without the head key, right? Like that's that's one that has to has to be in the show. But like the 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 uh, race key, it's like yeah, you could tell that story Ooh. without that. You don't need it. Yeah, I think the head key is pretty iconically. It feels iconic to what lock and key is when you're familiar with the story and i think if we chose not to do it i think there would be a loss i think it would be like really too bad oh big time uh the other thing i was thinking too and i'm kind of concerned about is uh my favorite character by far from the series is rufus um Uh that character is so heartfelt potentially difficult casting job to exactly have to do. what i was good i mean because he's such a big part of the story and i'm not going to spoil the end for anyone that hasn't read the series but i mean he is crucial to the end of lock and key oh yeah and for anyone that's unaware he's a mentally handicapped character that again joe hill never writes him in a way that feels demeaning or distasteful in the book no in um, fact like like you point out he's incredibly important to what happens <laughs> oh and he's so genuine and so heartfelt i love that character so much but that's another one that feels like it could easily go the wrong way put on tv it's one where you just you have to say to yourself i really hope that they do the right thing in casting and they they cast maybe an actor with down syndrome or an actor with a disability who we and we've seen actors who are um I don't know if we're supposed to say disability anymore. And I apologize if that's offensive. Uh, but we uh, cast an actor who is differently abled, who can do the job with a plum and who is looked after on set um, because we've seen that American Horror Story. And if I think if they do that and they approach the character with the love and care with which they were treated in the book, I think it'll, I, I think it'll be okay. I hope it will be okay. And I'm hoping that these are the discussions that people are having and it's not just you and I having this discussion up. You know what I mean? Sure. Sure. I'm with you hundred percent. You never know. You never know in the room. Wild things happen. Oh yeah. Cause the last thing I would want is for this show to come out and everybody's talking about like, Oh, are they having jokes at this character's expense? Um, exactly. And like I said, it's never, it's written so well in the book and Joe Hill deserves so much credit for some of the subject matter that he chooses to tackle in Lock and Key because it could easily go the wrong way and it never does. 
I think um, of Kinsey um, like that a lot. Like Kinsey could just so easily have been a whiny teenage girl and she's not. She's powerful and she's smart and she's interesting. And uh, as someone who's writing a character who could potentially be a whiny teenage girl, it's something that I appreciate even more now. Almost all the characters in Lock and Key could so easily become cliches but they never Mm -hmm. do because i mean even like the mom is a great character i love her i feel so bad for her but i mean that character could easily become like oh we've seen this before she's the 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 mom that's drunk and doesn't isn't involved with the kids anymore and she's kind of going off the deep end but it's it never comes off as like oh i've seen this a million times before and even tyler is like you know he's got to be the he's the oldest he's got to be the man of the house now but he's obviously dealing with a lot of things and he puts on the tough guy persona again it, it's it, it could be a cliche so easily but it never comes off as tropey the name tyler fun fact means doorkeeper really well yeah. that's that's of interest to one and host on this podcast kinsey obviously uh someone on the kinsey scale which is a sexual scale and is a little, maybe a little more free than some of the other characters in the book and then Bodhi is obviously derivative of the name body so i just think that's neat because none of their names are i think unintentional oh i've never even given that a second thought that's actually really interesting I'm so fascinated with why people choose to name characters certain things because you have a real opportunity to say something with that. So. Oh, sure. It's something that should be uh, spent some time on, I think, right? Like when, I mean, you're, you're a creative person, obviously. Is that something that you guys, you and Jason talk about when you're like creating characters for the book? Like, it's not like, oh, we're just going to call this guy Bob. Like, do you think about like, oh, his name should be this for this reason? Sometimes characters just come and they already have names, but... For the most part, in Jupiter Jet, all of our protagonist characters have names for certain reasons. Uh, Jackie is named after someone. Chuck is named after someone. Neil is named after someone. Uh, Their uncle, Gabriel, is obviously named after uh, the Archangel, who is classically seen blowing a trumpet, who's a herald or a messenger, and he's the one who explains a lot of the world that gets revealed at the end of Volume 1. So we, we take a lot of times thinking about names and sometimes we're just naming characters after people that we know or we're inspired by but they're never just uh called something because it's cool for me that's not a good enough reason to because it's cool uh is insufficient never it's a good fine. enough reason yeah i mean for some people it is you know uh michael bay has a great career but well, for me it's yeah. uh it's never good enough <laughs> his creative integrity could be called into question at times though we'll, we'll sure, leave it at that he's, he's got his fans Oh, I mean, sure. And and I'm not saying he, they're not well-deserved, but yeah, yeah, you wouldn't yeah, yeah. Necess- necessarily call him an innovator creatively by any means. No, I mean, I wouldn't. <laughs> so, yeah, somebody might. I'm, I'm not going to take that stand. Um, I, so, yeah, I'll definitely be keeping a close eye on, on Lock and Key and Rufus because, I mean, I've only watched the trailer, I think, once or twice, but Rufus isn't in the trailer, if I'm remembering. They haven't shown him. No, um, but that makes sense, right? Because you want to focus on the kids and the sure. house. I would be heartbroken if that story is told without him because I think he's such a key piece to it. I think he might be a character that we don't see popping up until a later season. Like I could see him being introduced in season maybe three if we're going for five seasons. I mean, obviously it depends on how they're going to structure it out, right? Because Oh, of course. Like, I mean, I don't even know how many episodes the first season is going to be, but obviously we're seeing the head key and everything else that like that in the trailer, which all takes place in volume two. So I don't know if they're going to do like two trades per season or, or I don't know, or like how they're going to kind of, cause there's six volumes of the, of the main story. And then you got the Mm -hmm. spinoffs after that. So they could do three seasons and put two, you know, kind of do like season one is going to be volume one and volume two if, if they choose to do it that way. But I think the later trades do get a little thicker. They're a little bigger than the they the first And they have those mini series too. Yeah, which I've I've really enjoyed some of those, but honestly we don't need to see any of that unless they wanna give us like that would just be a bonus. I think we might see the the small world stuff where they're like with the little dollhouse. Small world was so fun. And uh what's the other one uh, uh with the little boy in the hot air balloon? That uh, that one damn near brought yep. me to my knees. <laughs> um that that was like Joe Hill, you bastard. Like, how dare you make me feel? <laughs> He's really good with emotional stakes. Sure. And I mean, it, 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 most people I think know by now, 
who he is and who his dad is and everything. I honestly didn't but know. His dad tweeted about it today. So <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know uh, he was Stephen King's son for a, a good while, actually. I didn't either. So don't feel bad. <laughs> um, Jason had to tell me. I was like, I mean, if you say so, I don't know. Which, I mean, it doesn't really matter. To, I mean, take it or leave it either way. But it is kind of cool to see um, him utilize horror in a way that he definitely does in, in Lock and Key. But it's also like, you can't call Lock and Key a straight up horror comic. It's definitely supernatural in a way. And it's a mystery. And there's some horror elements. I like that it kind of does a lot of different things. Yeah. But I think people want to categorize it as horror because it looks good on a shelf next sure. to a lot of other scary books but it's not i mean it's pretty graphic but it's it's not like watching a hostel or something sure like it's very but it, i don't know it's i really like the way they pick and choose when to go there though like it's there, there's times like when it gets graphic and the horror elements come in it's it's definitely right up there with anything oh for sure when uh yeah like you know? when their dad dies <laughs> oh yeah and there's there's a spoiler death. alert for yeah. like a 10 year old story there's a death in the i mean the, they reveal the dad's death in the trailer because they talk about their dad died and stuff so that that shouldn't be a, too much of a spoiler but there's Down a tweet. there's a person that gets murdered in a bathtub at one point in, the, in a series that's pretty graphic and it's very sexual at times too um but I don't know. I just I like the way that it it's so well rounded because it's a mystery story, and like I say, there's supernatural elements to it too. It's not just a straight up horror comic in the same way that, like, you would say like maybe Nailbiter is or something like that. Yeah, I, that's interesting. That's a really good point. Yeah, maybe more supernatural. Like you definitely, it's the it's the obvious comparison, but it definitely has a Lovecraftian vibe to it. I remember reading that the first time, and. Uh, God, it's so hard. It's so hard to, to talk about some of this without spoiling uh-huh. some of it. But th- there's a point in the series where there's a shift where something really, really big happens with one of the main characters, and then you're like, "Oh my God, I can't wait to see what happens next." And and they do. Joe Hill does the thing like, "Oh, that thing you want me to talk about? We're not going to do any of that. We're going to talk about the parents for a while." And yep. I remember being so mad. Cause I was like, I don't care about any of this at that time. But then like when, like the backstory with the parents is so good once you get it. And, and it's it, so important later on, right? Oh yeah. And it, it makes the payoff so much better. But I remember being so frustrated. I was like, no, no, I want to see the other thing. What the hell? Like, how are you <laughs> going to drop that on me? And then like, yep, we're not talking about any of that now. Like you bastards. Yeah, that was a, that was a moment I had. Hopefully the show doesn't do that to us, but we'll see. <laughs> I'm, I would imagine that it will. I I have such high hopes for it. I've I thought from the first time I read it that it would be a great TV show. It feels like one of those things that just would work. It's it's already written well that I don't think you need to really change that much about it to adapt it to TV. And I think Joe I, Hill. I definitely even, had that same feeling. Oh yeah, I think Joe Hill even wrote like the first two episodes or something like that. I heard. I think. Oh he, well, I hope so. He probably got a lovely paycheck from that. Oh, I, from what I understand, he's pretty heavily involved i'm sure he's at least like a executive producer because anybody can get that title now but i i, I want to say i heard that he wrote at least the first episode maybe the first two i'll be checking the credits for sure when that drops next week but yeah because sometimes imdb lies before shows air they just give everyone credits across the board oh yeah but i, I really love when they choose to let people do that stuff though because it's like yeah let the man adapt his own stuff like who, who knows the story better than him he did it let him adapt it to tv yeah, I find Netflix to be really, really good for that. They're good about including the original creators or like as close as they can, you know, because obviously with older comics, some of those people have passed on. They've shrugged off this mortal plane. Oh, yeah. Uh, but it's cool. It's cool to be like, yeah, you're absolutely right. They gave us this. Let's celebrate them and let's include them as much as possible. I would love to see a cameo or two even if we if we can. Oh, I mean, me too. <laughs> I, I love that so much. And that's such a good little nod to fans when that stuff happens. Because it's like, don't make a big deal about it. But let it just happen long enough for the people that know to go, oh, you know, it doesn't have to stop the whole show or the whole movie. Like, hey, look, here's this person. But you get it. Mm-hmm. Um, I was having a conversation the other day with somebody about the Marvel movies. And, you know, obviously people talk about Stan and, you know, like, what are they going to do now? Because Stan's cameos, you know, were kind of a big yeah, part of those yeah, movies. Yeah. And my response to that was like, I think they already figured out what to do. You have so many people out there that are all alive and probably more than willing to do it. Like when you put 
Kelly Sue DeConnick and Captain Marvel, and you put Jim Starlin in Endgame and stuff like that's what you do. Exactly. Have exactly. have people that were involved in these characters show up in the movies. Like that's how you keep it going, in my opinion. Right. Like I know it's sad. It's very sad, and we're all. But he's oh, sure. not the only person who's ever worked on the movies. Exactly. We'll be okay. Because <laughs> I mean, or who's ever created the characters for someone like Jim Starlin? I mean. I'm sure that was awesome experience for him, you know, to get to come on the set of this giant big budget movie for a day. And and he's only in that one quick scene, but probably made his day. And it's a good little tribute to him. And uh, like I said, a lot of these people, I'm sure they're more than willing to do it. It's not like, who's going to say no? Oh, I mean, exactly. We would all, we, we should all be so lucky. (laughs) Like obviously Kelly Sue DeConnick should show up in Captain Marvel. She did more for that character than, probably most people because the version of that character most people like is her version so Mm -hmm. like yeah of course she should show up that was really gratifying to me just for her to walk past the camera for two seconds (laughs) so well you can always spot her because of her hair oh yeah she's pretty easy to spot um but yeah i would love to see that trend continue keep keep doing that keep getting the because like I said, it's it's so easy. Why not? Who's going to say no? It probably makes the creators so happy. It means the world to them, I'm sure. Yeah, just I can't think of a reason not to do it. I agree. So let's hope we see it, and let's hope the next time you and I chat, we can talk about how great the cameos were. That's right. Because, yeah, when, when the conversation's like, well, what are they going to do now? That's what you're going to do now. Just they, yeah. they, they've, already, they've already figured it out. Well oh. said, my friend. Oh, yeah. So before I let you go... Um, I, you know, we usually try to recommend a couple other things, obviously Jupiter Jet, and we, you know, want to make Hell sure yeah. everybody <laughs> goes and checks that out. But just as a, a, as Ashley, the comic fan, instead of the comic writer here for a second, what are <laughs> some books you're reading right now, Marvel, DC, otherwise, that you think other people should be checking out? I have been reading a lot of Blackest Night, and that is because on really? Patreon, uh, we're doing Blackest Night Because you don't like Blackest Night. I don't like zombies, <laughs> so I've never read Blackest Night, but now I'm, I've read 16 issues so far of Blackest Night. Um, Are you reading so, everything? Because they did like a million tie-ins of that. No. Okay. We're doing the main event. We're doing all the Green Lantern tie-in issues, all the Green Lantern core tie-in issues, the Batman ones, the Superman ones, and the Teen Titans ones. Okay. And the list is curated by Jason, who I think has read most of them. Mm-hmm. But uh, yes, yeah, so I've been reading that. And then I just finished a Star Wars original novel called Force Collector by Kevin Shinnick, who is an incredible writer and former host of Where in Time is Carmen Sandiego. Oh. And it is so good. And the Star Wars books bring me joy uh, in a way that some other Star Wars things don't. So I've been delighted to read that. It's not a comic, but I think comic people will be super super into it so i I gotta ask you about blackest night then because i I, i'm kind of with you i'm i would definitely not call myself a zombie fan it it doesn't do anything for me but i i really dug that event and that was one of those events that felt like it was a big deal when it was coming out still because now it just seems like they're all take them or leave them yeah Um, so i mean what are your thoughts on blackest night so far are you kind of enjoying it or it's kind of like i didn't need to I'm glad I missed it. (laughs) I can really understand what captured people about it and why people are so taken aback by it and how it was so different for the time. And I think it's really well-crafted. Like, it is a master class in how to write an event. So I'm really enjoying it from, like, this sort of removed intellectual perspective. Okay. Um, I'm never going to be a huge fan of it. It's just something that's not to my taste. But there is some beautiful art in it. So there's a lot to... There's a lot to like. So even if it's not my favorite thing in the world, I'm actually really glad to be reading it. And it's very fertile ground. And, you know, um, people watch the Arrow finale uh, and have some feelings about Green Lantern. You know, there's a chance that we might see it on TV in a few years. Who knows? Especially with the the HBO announcement and all those other things. Heck Yeah. yeah. Who knows? I can't tell you how mad I was when those Blackest Night trades came out. Uh huh. Because DC sometimes... They, they dropped the ball on that so hard because, and and you know this now if you're reading this because you, you kind of know how intertwined, because some of the tie-ins you can take them or leave them, but there were some of them that, that mattered pretty heavily, especially the ones that Jeff Johns was writing, obviously. Absolutely. Um, and there's a lot of really good tie-ins, yeah. actually, which is like the craziest thing. So when they put out the trades, the main trade, the Blackest Night trade is just Blackest Night 
there was a zero issue that was a free comic book day issue, but then yes. it was zero through eight. Uh, and if you don't have, you need at the bare minimum, you at least need the Green Lantern book that Jeff yes. Johns was also writing with it. And it's not in that trade. And it was, there was so many times that I was hanging out in the comic shop because that's what I do and where I would try to help sell that book. And it was like, but you have to buy both of these or else, and you have to kind of, it sucks to tell you to read it this way, but you have to read one issue of this one and then read the next issue of this. And like you're going to have to bounce back and forth between these books. And that turned so many people away. And I was like, why didn't they just put it all together? At least, at least the Jeff John stuff together. That's why uh, we're recommending people get it's, hefty and you could kill a human being with it but we're recommending that people get the 10th anniversary omnibus edition because it has literally everything that and, you need. and it was enough to fill an omnibus because they did a ton oh of girl yeah it is like over 100 issues i didn't get that but i do have the the jeff john's green lantern omnibuses the three volumes of that because it's you know it's Which one are of my, a huge huge oh part they're of all it. huge and it's one of my favorite comic runs of all time but um I was really delighted when I got pretty much the whole second omnibus of of that series is Blackest Night, or at least a good portion of it is the lead up to Blackest Night and the follow up. Um, and I was really delighted to have it in a proper reading order in the omnibus. Like they do, like Blackest Night number zero, then Blackest Night number one, then Green Lantern number who cares, and then Blackest Night number two. Like, like okay, at least this way it's the proper way to read it. Yeah. At least for like the bare minimum stuff. If you don't want like the Superman tie-in issues, or whatever, that's fine. But like at least like the story's all here if you want to read it, because those trades frustrated me to no end. <laughs> yeah, we're trying to make it as easy as possible, but there is still a little bit of like skipping over. The, you know, we're not doing the Shazam issue, so I'm like skip, 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 skip over Wonder Woman. Okay, now we're moving on from here. Not to mention that was probably one of the coolest action figure lines DC has ever done absolutely there was some amazing figures in there and we had just seen the new cores for the first time and if you don't got those figures you can't afford them now like some of those are crazy priced to try to find them now but some of them are also very cheap and very easy to find it's very funny how it's kind of swung back and forth yeah i i we don't have everything because i mean there was i think they did like five or six different sets and there was like four or five action figures in each set we have a good chunk of them us too yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah they they were amazing fig- again the the whole zombie thing is it again it doesn't really do that much for me but i have to admit when i'm looking at like the action figure the sculpts on some of them like to see like a zombied out flash and stuff i'm like that it's pretty cool mm-hmm. it's a cool visual if nothing else yeah um, with me being sick all of last week, I had a good opportunity to read a lot of comic books because what else do you do when exactly. you're just sitting there dying? It was bouncing back between reading comics and watching Seinfeld for hours and hours and hours because that's my comfort zone. Um, nice. <laughs> that's my happy place. Uh, I did finally get... I know last time we talked to you, we ta- we uh, brought up uh, Superman Smashes the Clan, which I hadn't read volume yeah. two of, which that's- I now have. Um, and it's just as amazing as the first one was. Good Lord. Like, read this book, guys. Read this freaking book. Gene Yang is everything. It's so beautiful. It's so clever. It's so genuine. I... And it's it's a Superman that you don't get to see that often, but it still feels like Superman. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I love that book to death. So that's... I'm going to recommend that because... There's not a lot of good Superman out there right now for me personally. So when a book pops up, I'm going to tell everyone to go read it. Well said. Well <sighs> said and very, uh, very politely said. <laughs> I, I, I never try to come off as, as disrespectful, but there, I definitely, uh, you know. No, but again, it's like with Black Knight, some things, some things you like and some things you don't. And that's that. I wish if, if I could leave anything to this world, I swear that something can be not to your taste without being objectively bad. And people <laughs> yeah. cannot understand that. Like, I hate when people are like, I don't like this thing. And it's like, why? It's like, cause it sucks. I'm like, I don't think it sucks. Mm-hmm. I think you just also, don't care for it. Also, that's not a good reason. Or like people bash comic creators like, oh, I don't like this writer. Blank, like so-and-so is trash. I'm like, I don't think they're trash. They probably wouldn't be working if they were trash. Like, somebody's buying the books there's a difference between you don't care for this and this person being untalented absolutely well said <sighs> very well said again it's uh, i'm speaking into the void here there's no- <laughs> <sighs> but uh 
real quick before I let you go, let's drop the info again. Was it jupiterjetcomic.com? Hell yeah. I don't swear like that in the book because it is for children. You can get Jupiter Jet and the Forgotten Radio at jupiterjetcomic.com. We hit a stretch goal today. If we hit another stretch goal, we're going to send you more amazing stuff. Please continue to support it. If you can't, I totally understand. I've been there many times myself. If you would consider sharing the link on your social media, I would be so, so grateful because it would help me reach more cool nerds like you. Yeah. You can definitely swear like that on here because we get it explicit before we even have a chance to think about it every time we upload a podcast on iTunes. It's just hard to do that and be like, (sighs) I'm writing an all-ages book. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) It's not a really good way to pitch that book. I I remember listening to some of your guys' old geek history lessons when you guys would swear sometimes. I was like, wow. We don't swear no more. I know. It was such a shock to me. It was like, oh my gosh. Like, I understand. Like, for obvious reasons. Like, yeah, we're trying to appeal to more people. Um for me, it's just like I would have to try so much harder <laughs> to not swear that the podcast wouldn't be fun anymore. So for me, it's like, well, I guess our audience is who they are. Oh, and there's room for all of it, which is what's so great. And what's great about things like podcasting and Kickstarter. And we were talking about how it's egalitarian. People either engage with you or they don't. And that's all awesome. It's great. Um, Ashley, thank you so much again for doing this. It's such a joy to get to talk to you every single time. I, I swear that it's almost like every time I have to pinch myself a little bit, be, just being such a fan of you guys and <laughs> following your guys' stuff for so long. And I, I know I told you before, but Geek History Lesson was such a big influence on creating this podcast. That it's just it, every time I get to talk to you, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm, you know, I'm really going to And, you know, we talked to Jason before as well, and he was such a delight. So thank you so much. It's so, such a, such a treat for us. It's a treat for me to come on the child of Geek History Lesson. And I want more people to make more cool stuff. And you made the mistake of being really nice. So now I'm just going to send you everything and keep begging to be on. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll see who can outbeg the other one because I, I will beg <laughs> you twice as hard to come on. Challenge accepted. Challenge accepted. And, and hopefully Jason's well. I hope to get Jason back on at some point as well. Um, yeah, soon. When, when production wraps up, I think he'll be down for it. Oh, for sure, for sure. So make sure you guys check out Jupiter Jet on Kickstarter. Seriously, guys, back this. Like Ashley said, the book's already funded. So at this point, you're just pre-ordering the book. Like there's no, everything's all set there. Follow Ashley on Twitter. She's at Ashley V. Robinson. I think she, uh, that's your handle on Instagram as well. Yes, it is. I'm very easy to find. <laughs> I was going to ask you that. I, I know my, my brain's always going differently. Uh, I was going to ask you, where did the decision come from to go for the three names? Because I, I, I dig it. It sounds sophisticated, but I was just curious where, like, when did you start going by the three names? Um, forever. Ashley Robinson is a WNBA player. I don't want to fight for SEO. So, uh, and I went to it. I went to the University of Ottawa, just Canada's national university. And there were five Ashley Robinsons. So I've been using all three names I mean, since I was a teenager, like forever and ever. And I, uh, I'm a SAG actor. So now I, that has to be my professional name because it that's sounds so what sophisticated. It sounds so, it sounds so proper. My mommy said that she named me that and she thought it sounded like a princess. And she said that the nurse at the hospital said that that's a big name to live up to. <laughs> awesome. Okay. So yeah, thanks. You guys are doing all that. Follow Ashley, check out geek history lesson, check out Jawin on YouTube. Their videos are awesome. They do some of the best comic book related content on YouTube, which is saying something because there's a lot of good content creators out there. Support Ashley, support Jason, support their comics because they're all amazing. Ashley, such a joy to have you on and hopefully we'll get to talk to you again soon. Thank you so much. Awesome. Uh, guys, we will see you uh, next week with something. I don't even, my sickness threw our whole schedule off, so I don't even know what we're doing anymore. But I promise there will be podcasts to come. Until next time, my name is Tyler, and we will see you guys next week. Yeah.